Welcome to Project Blue, a podcast about the people, companies, and ideas changing the way we think about and manage our global water resources. My name is Matt. And I'm Alexandra. Join us as we explore innovative technologies defining the future of water. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Episode 7 of Project Blue. In this episode, I'm speaking with Aaron Tartakovsky from Epic Clean Tech a company redefining urban sanitation through decentralizing treatment into modular on-site units. Aaron shares with us a fascinating founder's journey and really conveys his passion for changing the way we view sustainable wastewater management. Essentially, our conventional approach to wastewater treatment is inefficient and increasingly problematic in many of our cities around the world. The urban population is growing and our wastewater infrastructure is not being maintained or replaced at fast enough of a rate. Now Epic Cleantech steps into the picture as an on-site wastewater treatment and reuse plant that eases the load on central utilities and lowers the bill for building owners. I'll let Aaron share the rest. Aaron, thanks so much for taking some time today to join me on Project Blue. I couldn't be more excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. So you are the CEO and co-founder of Epic Cleantech, a company that's pioneering sustainable on-site wastewater treatment. I have a ton of questions and I'm excited to pepper you with them, but can you please start us off by sharing a little bit more about your company and what you do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you've, you've nailed the, the basics of it that we are doing on-site treatment. Um, so we, we are a company, we're about five years old, based here in San Francisco, California. Uh, and we were actually born out of initial work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So long story short, about 10 years ago, one of my co-founders was walking on the streets of Tel Aviv, Israel with his little pug dog named Polly. And Polly did his business on the sidewalk as little dogs do. And he was on the phone, not paying attention, didn't clean up after the dog. A police officer comes driving by, sees this and writes him up a fine. Him being the fiery-tempered Israeli entrepreneur that he is, rather than just paying the fine and moving on with his life, decided that he was going to create a 21st century uh, approach to dealing with dog waste, Um, essentially a high-tech pooper scooper. Uh, That little device got the attention of the internet, as all things scatological do. Uh, They were then approached by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who said, we want you to take what you're doing for dogs, this little dog device, and scale it up into a toilet application. Uh, my co-founders, the Israeli entrepreneurs, were presenting at a conference in California where in the audience was my third co-founder, uh, who also happens to be my father, Igor. Uh, so Igor, uh, long story short, from the Soviet Union, trained in the Soviet space program, came to this country, moved into the building science and said, I wonder if we can take what these guys are doing for single toilets with the Gates Foundation and scale it up into a building scale application. I'm going to skip over a lot of the story to basically say what started off with a dog ended up turning into a full on-site reuse solution where we're dealing with both the water and the solids, capturing water within high-density buildings, capturing, treating that water, sending it back up into the building for non-potable applications. So basically saving the building anywhere from 50 to 95% of their water. And then we're also, um, you know, uh, helping the utilities by taking a lot of strain off of them. Wow. That is, yeah, it's a weird, that's a weird a story. It's a weird story. It's it's a topsy turvy story, but I think you know, I, I think in many ways it's kind of your 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 quintessential your your quintessential startup story in the sense that you know how we started and where we got to where we are was not a, a straight line, but mm-hmm. 
every step of the way was important in sort of helping us to make the decisions we made to get to the point where we are today. Yeah. Well, I would, I would love to hear more about, you know, that original work um, with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation developing what would eventually become Epic Clean Tech. I mean, I was, I was recently watching the Netflix series inside Bill's brain Mm -hmm. and it talked a little bit about the, it was the reinventing the toilet challenge, correct? And so it sounds like that, that was the kind of work that you guys were part of and that evolved into Epic Clean Tech. Yeah. So how did you begin that research and um, how did it eventually take shape into um, a self-standing company? Yeah. And frankly, you know, what, what I'll say is that that documentary is so great on so many fronts, not least of which is anything Bill Gates does or touches typically is going to get a lot of viewers and a lot of listeners. Uh, and it's great for him to be casting light on water and sanitation issues. Now, what I'll say is that that documentary, like, like a lot of other, uh, you know, I think a lot of other organizations and foundations and individuals who focus on water and sanitation, the, the, the focus is almost exclusively on the developing world, which is great. And, and frankly, that is where the greatest need is. But we also think there's a tremendous opportunity to make things better here in the United States. And I think there's a lot of ways to approach that. I think there's a whole sort of social equity issue to access to water and sanitation. Now that's sort of a whole different topic. Let me get back to your question. This is what happens when you get me talking about water and wastewater, I get excited and I'm gonna start running in a lot of different directions. So if at any point I start going off, just rain back in. So um, with the Gates Foundation, the basic premise of the challenge is as follows. Billions of people worldwide lack access to clean water and reliable sanitation. Many parts of the world don't have the time nor the, nor, nor the, the resources to be able to build out complicated underground sewered infrastructure like we have here or and remind me again where you are. I'm currently in San Diego, California. Or in San Diego or in Boston or LA or any other sort of developed city. Um, and the premise of the Gates Challenge was, can we deploy above ground, um, less expensive, less complicated solutions to communities around the, around the world, and specifically in the developing world, um, to allow them to have access to, to reliable sanitation without having to build out, again, complicated sewer sewered infrastructure. Um, so, you know, I think the Gates Foundation has done a lot of really amazing things. It's spurred a lot of interesting businesses and we were born out of that. So sort of the initial concept of, of my co-founders, which again predates Epic, was all around uh, developing a new chemical oxidation reaction to, to dealing with wastewater solids. So specifically the solids fraction, that was sort of the, the focus. Mm-hmm. What Epic Clean Deck does now is obviously much bigger, but the same principles are there which is to say, you know, whereas in the developing world, you know, giving people access to, 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 to reliable sanitation is a matter of life and death, or it's a matter of, you know, helping people to avoid sicknesses that are going to disable them for weeks or months or years. Uh, the, the, this, the, the problems in the, in the developed world here in San Francisco are different, but the principles are still there, which is yeah. to say, we're reliant on this, this massive underground sewered infrastructure that was built anywhere from 30 to 100 years ago. And it's really difficult to, repaint, uh, to, to repair and to maintain. You know, all of our utilities are chronically underfunded, even more so now in the age of COVID. And they cannot fix everything at the rate at which they need to be going. So can we actually have decentralized solutions like ours 
actually exist in tandem with the centralized solutions. And that's what we're trying to do. We're essentially trying to be sort of an extension of these centralized utilities and their operations, decentralizing it to buildings or at the district scale to create sort of an overall more resilient system. That's, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, I love how the, the application and the intention was to be these standalone um, units that are able to treat wastewater, you know, as you were saying, in areas that they don't have the distribution networks um, and infrastructure to be able to perform that like we do have here. Um, right. Yet you've been able to find this application amidst the agent infrastructure of these large urban hubs yep. where more of a decentralized wastewater treatment model fits in perfectly to be able to, um, I'm not sure if you would call it a band-aid on the aging system as a whole. And I'd love to dive into, you know, some of the problems that the industry faces and, and yeah. how, you know, decentralized wastewater treatment um, can fit into that to alleviate that. But I love the progression of how, um, you know, the, its application has changed. Are you guys doing um, projects in developing countries um, or are you primarily focused on uh, urban wastewater treatment? Yeah, so well, so we are we're focused on urban, and we're focused on urban, and specifically, you know, we say cities, and we're focused on cities very strategically because we know that most people around the world are moving into cities. By 2050, 70 percent of the world's population will be living in cities, and the rate at which we're building new cities around the world, it looks like we're adding a new Manhattan every single month until 2050. <laughs> so we're building really fast, which means we have an opportunity to do things differently. You know, decentralized is never going to replace centralized 100%. We know that. And, and frankly, we don't want to do that because by and large, the centralized infrastructure that we've built is a marvel of modern engineering. And the folks who, who manage that infrastructure, both on the water and the wastewater side, in my opinion, are heroes because they operate 24-7 during holidays to make sure that our water comes out the tap and that our wastewater goes away. Um, and I think they're unsung heroes in many cases. So it's not about replacing them, but... Um, you know, it's about making, essentially designing cities better, sort of for, for the future. Um, so we're, yeah, we're focused in cities and right now we're focused in the developed world because um, frankly, there's, there's a need here. You know, I think there's a need here, one. And two, uh, for our, in the case of Epic, it's easier for us to be able to deploy these solutions in a place like the Bay Area or in California more generally, where we actually have regulatory momentum that is pushing sort of the industry towards decentralized. Um, mm. It's allowing decentralized to become uh, sort of an, an integrated part of our sort of overall water approach, our sort of one water approach that our approach, sort of our, our methodology is let's figure this out here. Let's work out all the kinks here. Let's figure out sort of the holy trinity of, of technology, of new technologies and government, which has sort of put government regulators, utilities, and then private which, you know, in our case is the developers, the architects, the engineers, let's have all three of those folks working together. And then that model can then be copy and pasted not only to other cities here, but then eventually around the world as well. Hmm. So I have to, I have to say, I love the name Epic Clean Tech. And yeah. I got to ask, how did you land on that name? It's a, it's a pretty epic name for a clean tech company. Yeah. You know, it's, I wish there was like some crazy, crazy story, but, um, Epic Clean Tech was the fusion of sort of the two initial companies that came together to form Epic Clean Tech. So Epic was actually was initially Epic Industries, 
and Epic Industries was named after three of the, the initial partners of Epic Industries, which were Enrico, Paul, and Igor, E-P-I. So it was the Enrico, Paul, Igor company, Epic. And the cleantech side came from our founder, our, our, our co-founders in Israel. Their company was called Poly Cleantech, Poly being named after the little pug dog that started it all. <laughs> so we took Epic from Epic Industries, we took Cleantech from Poly Cleantech, brought them together to create Epic Cleantech. Um, and you're right. I think uh, we got lucky in the sense that Epic, I mean, there's just a million things you can do with Epic. There's the Epic approach, the Epic system, the Epic team. In our case, we're producing Epic soil from the biocells that we produce. So uh, it's become fun. And frankly, I think what we're doing is pretty radically different. And I think Epic yeah. pretty accurately uh, describes what it is that we do and how we do it. That's awesome. So so going back to the beginning of forming Epic, um, you know, I'm curious what it was like as a co-founder to, you know, take it from this idea and this technology that you've developed and turn it into a company and go in and seek out customers, um, finding funding. What did those early days look like with your co-founders? Um, and how did you get your, your first customer? Yeah, let me, so there's, there's a word. So I, I used to live in Israel um, and I speak Hebrew and I've grown up with that my life, my whole life. There's a term that we use there called chutzpah or chutzpah, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. And essentially it's just, it's just, it's being bold, bordering on arrogance. Um, you know, I think when we came together, we kind of thought, all right, we got this great approach of dealing with solids and everyone's going to want it right away. And we're going to start, you know, selling these things like hotcakes into buildings all around the world. Uh, yeah, we were wrong. Uh, well, let me just say there's the, the, the nugget of the idea, the, the general approach was there. But um, I think, you know, I think we made sort of the classic mistake of, of you know, early entrepreneurs starting a company of thinking it was going to be a lot easier and a lot quicker to market than what it ended up being. But frankly, that was fine. And that was part of the process. I think, you know, it's if, if we had all known six years ago when we really started this, what it would take to get to this point, I don't, we, we may have sort of second guessed our, our decision. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think what's interesting about us, and frankly, I think it's part of our secret sauce as a company, is that the four co-founders of the company who are operating in the water wastewater space all come from outside of the water wastewater space. We have an Israeli businessman. We have a plant scientist slash nano, nanotechnologist. We have my father, Igor, who again, former Soviet rocket engineer who moved into the building sciences. And we have me. So I, you know, I'm a, a, a effectively a recovering political operative. I used to work in federal politics. So on paper, we don't really make sense being in the water industry, water wastewater industry, but it actually allows us to think differently and to sort of come at this from sort of a relatively out of the box approach. Um, five years ago when I would approach people and talk about what it is that we were trying to do of, you know, decentral, in a sense, hyper decentralization by going into individual high rise buildings in downtown cities. Uh, you know, a lot of people laughed us out of the room or said, you know, it's just not going to work. You're not going to be able to overcome the regulatory hurdles. And there's all sorts of different challenges, but I think by coming from outside of the industry and if in, in some senses, you know, having a different approach and, and not being constrained by sort of the, the general sort of limits on how these things are done uh, allowed us to continue approaching it this way. And I think again, a little bit of a healthy dose of chutzpah uh, as well. Um, but, you know, it's a process. And I think 
we, you know, we, uh, the early days was just a lot of learning, you know, while we, while we felt strongly about our convictions that we had a, an interesting new approach, we were also very cognizant of the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't really know much about this world. And so a lot of the early, a lot of the early work of Epic before Epic even got a name when it was just a concept was me just going and learning from people, you know, going to people, uh, I mean, literally in, in, in real estate, in the water sector, in academia, going to conferences and just sitting and listening to people, but always going to people with the mindset of, of here's an idea we have. Here's the basic concept. This is what we're thinking. Now you're the expert. I'd love your advice and insights. Like, please tell me what is wrong with this idea. Please show me where the red flags are. And, you know, you do a, a few hundred of those types of meetings and those types of conversations, you're going to start to learn what the industry needs and sort of how to get there. And I think, you know, six, six years later, I consider myself a part of the water wastewater world at this point. Um, you know, I know all the acronyms, which I think is an important piece. I know, all the I know all the conferences, which I think there are, I mean, now it's a little different, but there are no shortage of water wastewater conferences and you just learn, you learn. And, you know, I think it's just like any other skill. And, and frankly, so I, you know, I've gone through a few different career trajectories and at one point I had wanted to become a chef and, you know, when you're learning to cook, it's, you know, it's, it's learning all of the little skills. It's the knife skills. It's how to season. It's how to do meats, how to do sauces and all those little skills sort of in isolation don't mean much, but when you pick up all the little skills, all of a sudden you can start cooking things when you don't know the recipe because you know the basic parameters of how to do a certain thing. And I think that applies to sort of starting a new company or starting a new business that, you know, you just keep on layering on new things, which, you know, together that little layer is not going to do much, but when you put it all together, all of a sudden you've got like a whole book on how to do this. And I think that's where we've gotten to this point as a company, but we still have a lot to learn. And I think that's exciting. A little bit of chutzpah will take you a long way. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about the technology, the process, yep. um, what these on-site wastewater treatment units do and yep. how they do it. Can you yep. explain that for, to me? Yeah. So again, the, the driver of why we're doing this, and I'll, let me just take you know, the developed world as an example. We've been doing things the same way for about 200 years, which is to say we go from, you know, we, we have the, the conventional centralized approach. And again, we've talked about some of the issues, but all this infrastructure needs to be repaired and needs to be replaced. It needs to be fixed and it's difficult to do. And so utilities, because they're chronically underfunded, have to raise rates every single year. And in a place like San Francisco, we're talking about eight, nine, 10% a year uh, in terms of increases on water and sewer rates. So by going into a building, what we're doing is actually helping them to reduce those rates. So that's the actual sort of the, 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 the economic driver of what we're trying to do is we're saving building owners on their water and their sewer bills. Um, the way we actually do it is we'll go, you know, let's take a 30 story high rise in downtown San Francisco. We'll go into the basement of that building. And again, I'm talking about new construction as, as a start, retrofits is a little bit complicated, but new construction. We'll come in, you know, let's say we're gonna be reusing 10,000 gallons a day. Uh, we are collecting 10,000 gallons in the basement of that building. We're putting it through our process, which again, we can do gray or black, but let me start with black. So that black water coming from your toilets, your showers, your sinks, all those fixtures is going to come into a tank. From that tank, it's then going to go through um, what we basically designed as a very compact liquid solid separator. So what that it is, it's a mechanical device that's going to actually sift out the solids from the water, which is like the organics, the inorganics and everything else people flush down the toilets and shouldn't. 
Mm-hmm. Once we have those solids removed, we actually compact them on site and they're automatically deposited into just these little storage bins, little 55 gallon drums that we've specially designed with odor control and everything else, where we collect those solids. We can then take those solids either on site or typically what we do is off site. We have a small little Epic Clean Tech hub where we collect drums from each building that we're deployed into. And then we put it through the same chemical oxidation reaction we did back with Polly the Pug 10 years ago. And we turn those into high quality biosolids that we can then use in and around cities. Now, going back to the building, once the solids are removed, that water is now much more easy to treat. So we've reduced the TSS significantly. We've reduced the BOD significantly. We then put that water through a, a very compact membrane bioreactor, which essentially is just a, a, a series of filtration and ultrafiltration steps followed by chlorine, UV, whatever we need to do. Uh, and then we can then, once that water is treated to again, very high standards in the case of California Title 22 standards, we can then send that water right back up into the building for non-potable applications like toilet flushing, like cooling towers, like irrigation, or even like laundry water. And so by helping the building to reuse all that water on site, that's less water that they have to pull in from the municipal water supply. Now, how much water demand can you offset for some of your customers? So on average, you know, it, it, it differs in terms of percentages for a commercial residential building, but, you know, we're aiming for anywhere from 30 to 40 to 95% reductions in the water demand. Wow. For a commercial building where most of the water usage is actually non-potable and principally for things like toilet flushing, mm-hmm. uh, we can, you know, the, the, according to our calculations, we can help a building to reduce their potable water demand from the city by up to 95%. That's incredible. I mean, then that's a serious, um, financial incentive for your larger customers because those those water and wastewater bills are steep yeah yeah but and but again you know i think especially for utility folks who a are listening to this or whom we speak with um sort of the initial reaction is well that sounds horrible for us that just sounds like less revenue for us um and what we're able to show them is that actually if you look at sort of you know the, the long-term thinking of a utility you know, increasingly with more people moving into cities, we have issues of sort of long-term supply. Are we going to be able to get water to all of these people, to all of these buildings, these new big high-rises that are coming up in the face of, you know, decaying infrastructure and unpredictable, you know, unpredictable weather patterns due to climate change. Um, This is part of sort of the long-term resilient thinking of diversifying the water supply portfolio to make sure that we can continue to supply water. So by doing these localized approaches, we can help with that. Um, and then also on the wastewater side, it's, you know, making sure that, you know, that our plants aren't overloaded every time there's a high rainfall event. Now on that, on that same topic, if there is a high rainfall event, could your on-site wastewater units be overwhelmed by the amount of volume coming into them or because it's coming from one point source and not necessarily um, stormwater runoff? Do you, do you encounter that with extreme weather events? Uh, so, so it depends. So, you know, again, in, in a building, if, if they are collecting rainwater and putting that into the system, then, you know, we'll deal with it. Um, but typically no, because typically what we, what we do is if we're collecting rainwater and black water or rainwater and gray water, they'll be collected initially in separate tanks. Um, cause again, it depends where we are geographically, but in a city like San Francisco, it doesn't rain that much. So that rainwater tank will fill up 
And once it sort of gets to a certain level, we can then start combining the rainwater with the other wastewater. But otherwise, we're, we're going to have a buffer to make sure that our system is not overloaded. But again, one of the benefits of our approach is that uh, you know, any, any on-site system is always going to have a backup of sewer just in case there was ever an issue, whether it's, whether it's the system being overloaded, which is pr probably not going to happen, but more, more likely is if um, there's an, a system, an issue with the system, in which case we can hit a switch, a valve will just divert all the wastewater straight to the sewer, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's no issue. Okay. Um, so let's switch over to the solid waste byproduct side. Um, Cause you mentioned Epic soil before, and that sounds like a big part of what you guys do in being able to upcycle these nutrients and use them for urban gardens, or um, I'm sure you could list 50 other uses for it, but I'd love to understand. Um, yeah. What that side of the solid waste byproduct process looks like. Yeah. Um, and then what you guys are doing with that. Yeah. So, you know, again, um, we typically are operating out of what we like to call epic hubs. One hub being able to service multiple buildings or collect solid waste from multiple buildings. So what we do is we take those dewatered solids, we put them through our chemical oxidation reaction. And in about 25 minutes, we go from a raw wet waste into a dry odorless sterile product that essentially uh, is uh, is a blank canvas when it comes to soil. So we're we're producing specifically a soil amendment, which just means it's full of carbon. Carbon being the building block of any good healthy soil, um, it being the food stock of all the different microbiology that we want in the soil. So there are some nutrients as well. I mean, you are going to find your nitrogen, your phosphorus, your potassium, um, but carbon is actually we have an extremely large amount of carbon, which means we can use that basic product that we create and actually create bespoke soil blends depending on what the end use is. So you mentioned some of them, parks, golf courses, nurseries. You know, we actually want to create sort of individual sort of home gardener size epic soil bags because not only are we trying to sell the product, you know, because we are a business, but part of why we're really doing this is because we want to show people what, you know, what does a, a circular economy really mean? You know, what does the one water approach really mean? It means that all water is water and wastewater, which, you know, we kind of don't really like using that term, but what is really wastewater? It's, it's, it's just comprised of clean water. It's comprised of energy, of nutrients, of organics, and, you know, frankly, a lot of other things that we can recapture, sort of this whole notion of resource recovery. And it's one thing to tell people this, and it's another thing to show them. So our first Epic Hub is actually in an old Honda dealership in downtown San Francisco literally right across the street from Uber and Twitter and Square. And we, for, for about 18 months, we're doing testing in partnership with Stanford down at the Codiga Resource Recovery Center. We were literally mining solids from the Stanford campus, putting them through our process. And we built a giant garden uh, in, the, in the middle of downtown San Francisco. A lot of people don't even know this garden exists because it's like a little hidden oasis in the middle of a construction site. But it's a big garden planted entirely with repurposed Stanford University wastewater organic contributions. And this is inevitably in any conversation where people make a joke about how smart our kid is. Sorry for swimming in your podcast. And, uh, and, uh, and then so we do that not only to sort of test the product, but also to bring people. You know, as we know, most people don't ever interact with water wastewater until something goes wrong. You know, mm -hmm. when people flush the toilet or turn off the shower, they usually don't think about sort of what happens to that water when it leaves. And we want to show people 
exactly what we can do and to show them sort of the, the line we like to use at Epic is that we want to show people that the waste in wastewater is not really waste at all. Hmm. It's really exciting. I mean, I think, you know, the way to think about what's happening now in California when it comes to de the decentralization of water and wastewater, it's kind of like what happened in the energy world in terms of moving away from just centralized infrastructure towards solar and wind and other distributed energy generation processes. Um, the, the only difference is we're just, you know, 15, 20 years behind the energy guys, but we have the benefit of learning from their playbook and seeing what to do and what not to do. And water and energy are obviously very different, but the fundamentals are there of new technologies, new regulations, innovative financing business models, and we can, you know, unlock sort of untapped opportunities all around the world. Well, for somebody who did not start off in water and have found your way into this industry, you have become an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, thank you so much for sharing all that you've shared and taking your time with me today. Um, for our listeners out there, uh, what kinds of um, last points uh, would you like to share about Epic Cleantech? Um, well, we look forward to coming to a city uh, near you soon. Um, but you know what, I'm going to end with a, a little PSA I like to do all the time, which is that when you're flushing stuff down the toilet, and this is especially for my non-water industry folks, you got to focus on the three P's, which are pee, poo, and paper of the toilet variety. Those are the only three things you should put down a toilet. Every time you put a wet wipe or a rubber glove or any other thing, it just is stuff that we the epics of the world, but more importantly, the utility folks are going to have to deal with and it's mucks up the systems and it clogs up our filtration and everything else. So focus on flushing just three P's, everything else goes in the trash. And, uh, you know, I like to end on something like that, which is like very moving and inspirational. So I hope, hopefully that works for you. I love it. How can people reach out to you and learn more about Epic Clean Tech um, if they'd like to? Come to our website, epiccleantech.com. Tech is T-E-C. There's no H on the end. So epiccleantech.com. Um, feel free to reach out to us. You know, you can reach out to our info box there, but we're on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And we're going to have some exciting stuff coming out in the next few months. There's uh, some big announcements uh, from Team Epic. So uh, stay tuned. I look forward to following you guys. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. Aaron could not have been a better guest to have on. I hope it's made you think about the hidden world that is out of sight and out of mind past our toilet bowls and drains. It takes an incredible amount of hard work, passion, and chutzpah to develop and implement a more sustainable approach to our urban wastewater systems. So go out there and follow Epic Cleantech on social media to hear more. Thanks so much.